missed his chances. Oh, brilliant goal! A brilliant goal! Remember the name, Wayne Rooney. Pirlo, 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 ancora, Pirlo, di tacco, tiro, Sondo and Joe are fresh off of their return from Chicago. Yes. Nice uh, family wedding they had there, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good time. Survived all the traffic. Joe did the navigating. Otherwise, <laughs> we'd have been lost. <laughs> we, oh, I didn't mention this. We, turn, we made the wrong turn to go in the tunnel. <laughs> That's like the the worst navigation I did, I think. All. Well, and the trip didn't even start yet at that point. No, it was at the end of the trip in Detroit. All coming back. In Detroit to turn into the tunnel to... <laughs> Going back into Canada, <laughs> completely missed the mark on that one, and we just went down this incorrect road. On both sides of the border, they don't do the greatest job showing where the right way to go is. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, if you can get stuck. I remember I had a cousin once who was in her first year at University of Windsor. We're in Windsor, we're in Windsor, Ontario, Canada, by the way. Detroit, right across the border from us. We have two border crossings currently: the bridge and the tunnel. And the University of Windsor, the bridge is like right there. Yeah, the bridge, uh, the bridge, you know, like uh, entranceway, whatever. So I remember my cousin was in her first university, and she's with her friend, and like they have no idea where to go. Mm-hmm. Like they're driving around, they're trying to find parking. It's a, it's obviously a huge pain in the ass to find parking at the university if you don't have a pass or park on the street, whatever. So they turn on this one road, and they didn't know it's like the road to get onto the bridge. Yeah, they just ended up in the U.S. So they like <laughs> they were there, they paid their toll because they couldn't turn around. They went across the border. And they got to customs in the states, and they're like, "What do you like? What's your business here?" And they're like, "We went on the wrong road. We don't have our passports. We don't have any information. We have nothing on us." Like, it took them two hours to get back. Why? Because they like, they didn't believe them, <laughs> or they it was just like not I mean not believe, but they had like the improper uh, information. They couldn't like show proof that they don't have their passports. Like they can't let you turn around. I guess on the bridge, you have to like literally enter the country and then turn around. They can't just like throw a U turn. Yeah, like in, yeah, in right. like the bridge area, so they had like get accepted without passports, and then turn around on like another part of like the bridge, but they had like yeah, I don't know if it was two hours, but it took a long ass time for them to get back. Yeah, and they're like they were shitting their pants. They're like, we just wanted to get to school. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm so sorry. They're like pleading with the officers there at the border, and like I mean, they had like we've all like heard stories of them kind of being a little yeah, you know, dickheads for better words. Uh, at the border but um yeah it was, it was an honest mistake for them like they were like 18 years old 19 years old whatever a couple girls i think that that was in in the car yeah and they're just like yeah we're, they're crying and stuff it was kind of funny story for her to retell it later but it's very easy to get messed up there it's very yeah. easy because again there's yeah. like there's not like a big sign it's just kind of like a little sign that says like bridge to us or tunnel to yeah. us it's not like a giant thing that everyone knows about mm-hmm. especially and she's from she's from harrow she like she's not yeah. in the city ever Right, yeah. And then she's going to university for the first time. It's like her first week there. And she's just like in the city in a spot she's not really used to. And she's like going down the, the bridge to the U.S. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> legally trying to enter another country. Oh, God, it's hilarious. Yeah. 
But no, it was a good trip. Yeah, it was a great time celebrating with family, as always. The food looked good. Uh, yeah. At the venue, like, it looked good. The, the <laughs> impossible yeah, stuff at yeah, the start yeah. looked really good, and the dessert table was amazing. Yeah. Had uh, uh, some goodies made from uh, my uh, Zia that's over there. Oh, nice uh, homemade. Eh? Yes, homemade stuff. I saw Joe post on his Instagram, 11 out of 10 for yeah. desserts. Was Always that, love that. Is that good? Yeah. The um <laughs> the brownies with that white chocolate on top and the uh like the little white chocolates, those were good. How many did you have? I had one. They <laughs> 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 must then, have And been then I had one delicious. on the way home. Thinking about it, I should have packed like four. Take a doggy least. take a doggy bag home. Yeah. <laughs> and like my parents, because we want the parents, they packed like four or five containers worth of <laughs> desserts. And I always do. It's like, no, I won't take any. And then it's like, man, I wish I had like three of those brownies right now. Were they allowed to? Or did they just like take them on, or, like, on their own? Or did they ask permission? Y- yeah, like they they always say like, oh, like take containers. Because there's tons of food. I've like, always thought that. Like, is it offside to take a Tupperware or like a baggie <laughs> to like a buffet or like a, well, they, a buffet? They, Maybe not a buffet, but like, a, buffet, like a, yeah. a, a place that has like a buffet style dinner. They, I mean, they had, um, they had, tup- they brought out Tupperware for people to take the desserts home because there were so many desserts. That's a class act. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Like for our wedding, we had like a ton of stuff left over, but we had like the full trays. Yeah. Like I was bringing back three trays of pasta, two trays of chicken left over. So we ate for like two weeks. So it was nice. Yeah. But yeah, I've never gone to like an event before and then just taken my own food home. <laughs> <laughs> Bring your glass container Tupperware to the wedding. Yeah. <laughs> pack Gotta pack my lunch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, so yeah, so this is Tuesday night. We're recording this. The There was obviously games on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Monday night game as well. We'll get to in a bit. But the big one um, from the London standpoint was the North London Derby. Mm-hmm. It's probably the biggest one out of, the, out of the London teams. Obviously, Chelsea and Arsenal, from my point of view, is a pretty big one. Yeah, uh, Chelsea Fulham really stands out too, but from a competitive standpoint, especially this season, Arsenal and Tottenham, they've had more to play for than any other year that they've really faced yeah. up against each other, and it's starting to get a little heated. I think. I mean, we've seen Antonio Conte before with Tuchel, obviously, like his interaction with him in in the London derby with Chelsea uh, about a month ago um, showed some fireworks, and I think that's just who Conte is. Yeah, I don't know if there is any bad blood between Arteta and Conte, but I can see. Like once you once you're in charge of one of those teams or once you play for one of those teams, you just embrace what that team is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Arsenal and Tottenham has gone down historically as like one of the biggest ones in London, if not England itself. So I think we could see as the seasons go on because we think I think Conte and Arteta are probably there for a long time to stay. Yeah. Yeah. So I can see as the years progress if they keep being at this competitive level with each other, this could be a good rivalry. Yeah. This could be like a really heated one, an actual one that we actually you know gear up for because the rivalries nowadays. I mean, we'll talk about it later, but like the North, the Manchester Derby is nothing. Yeah. The Merseyside Derby between Liverpool and Everton is really yeah. nothing. Uh, the other big one was like in, in Newcastle, you know, between Newcastle and Sunderland. That was always a big one too, but Sunderland's been gone for two years. Yeah. Or three years now. So, yeah. As far as like derbies go, the North London Derby is probably the biggest one we have. And um, I don't want to say disappointed this weekend because Arsenal did show up. They, they killed Tottenham on every basically facet of the game, but it was still competitive. It was still good to watch, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Tottenham really didn't show up as much as they thought they were going to in this game. Uh, even going back to Arsenal's first goal, 
like just leaving someone at the top of the box wide open, just letting him take take a take a shot. I mean, he obviously had to tuck that in pretty nicely. Thomas Party. Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, I I, I felt like uh Tottenham could have came out more uh in this game. Uh just based on what I saw. Uh but yeah, possession 65-35 for Arsenal. Um had almost double the amount of passes. Um yeah, it's it's too bad, but I do agree like this this rivalry is is a pretty heated one with all the history that it has. Um, Emerson Royal obviously got that red card in the 62nd minute. Um, but yeah, it just, it just belongs to Arsenal right now. And Arsenal sitting top, top of the table. So they have a lot to play for and go, go into these games with all, uh, all cylinders on full throttle. <laughs> Joe likes that one. <laughs> What? <laughs> all, all cylinders, cylinders all on full throttle. I, I don't even know what the saying is. How, how do you say that properly? All, uh, all, all cylinders firing. Yeah, pumping, firing on all cylinders. Yeah, firing on all cylinders. There, there you go. All right. <laughs> uh, so the guy, the guy drives the states for one time. He has a need for speed now. He wants to just go full throttle. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm that guy weaving in through five lanes, going 180 kilometers an hour. What was your max speed? Like 110. Uh no, I hit probably one thirty seven. I was trying to pass a truck that was kind of like oh. you know, not fully staying its lane at some point. So one thirty seven like, kilometers, oh, yeah. obviously. Yeah, yeah. It sounds uh, like <laughs> this truck is derping right now and he's <laughs> swerving in. I mean, it wasn't like swerving a lot, but it'd just be in a lane. But you know when trucks kind of like just kind of yeah they go yeah, and they, they kind of creep into your lane. Yeah, so you just want to pass them as fast as possible, and I just uh you have to speed up to be safe. Yeah, yeah. You don't. Be, you don't want to be stuck behind. It would be so. more unsafe to just chill next yeah. to this truck, and then who yeah. knows what's gonna happen. Uh, but yeah, Arsenal uh, just handed it to Tottenham this game, and like I said, sitting top of the table, making it interesting right now. Uh, City's needing to perform every game to keep up. Uh, so we'll we'll see. Uh, you know, with uh, the World Cups coming. Um, and then this the season's gonna be split into two. We'll see how Arsenal does uh, as they close out this phase and then get into the next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's good for Arsenal in particular because uh, what they came off that loss to Man U, but then came back, got two wins right away. I think that's a big step from last year, where it felt like when they lost the game, it was like a downward spiral. It's like, yeah. oh, lost the game, we lost two games, lost three games, we tied this game. So um, it's really good to see what's happening at Arsenal in terms of that fight now where it's okay. We lost to Man U. We come back, we win our next two games. We win a big game against Tottenham in the London Derby. So, you know, they're sitting there. I think this, obviously the second most consistent team next to city. Um, I think Chelsea, Man U, Liverpool have their own problems. So I think as long as there's no disaster happening, Arsenal is going to be sitting pretty good for top four. Um, we'll have to see as we get more into the season, if they're really going to compete with city for the title. Um, because yeah, I don't think Tottenham, Liverpool, Chelsea, or Man U are going to give City a, any kind of run this year. They got some of their own problems to deal with. Yeah, and Chelsea, and Arsenal's record uh, stands for itself with seven wins and only one loss. The one loss coming to Man U was their first big test of the season, and for whatever reason, Arteta didn't get the boys up for that game, and they got destroyed that game too. Mm-hmm. It was three one uh, in favor of Man U, and their game up, coming up this weekend is actually against Liverpool. So. Their second biggest test of the year, I'd say. So we'll see if they can bounce back and have a better performance against a better side than I think Man U is in mm-hmm. Liverpool. But Joe made a good point because, like last season, when they would lose a game, they get into slumps. Yeah. And like it would show up. You know, they may 
might lose a game, but then they draw their next two, and then they have to kind of battle for a win in their third game after a loss. But this game, it's like, oh, this season, sorry, they, they lose a game, they come back for right back. They lose a game, they come right back, and they win Europa League, they come back and win in, you know, uh, you know, one of the domestic cups that are being played. And then here, too, like I said, seven wins and one loss in the season. Um, they don't have, like, the undefeated record like that City has, but, you know, City has two draws. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's still really early in the year. But, um, yeah, Arteta's got the guys clicking on all cylinders. And there you go, Joe. <laughs> now we're clicking on cylinders. <laughs> I think that's what it actually is. I- I'm sticking to that one. Okay. Um, yeah, no, they're they're playing really well. And I think... We we talked about it actually off off mic off air, but I think Jaka um, like he shows up to like big games, mm-hmm. and I think his development as a player and as a person has really you know shown under Arteta because I think he's gotten more responsibility. At the same time, though, I think he's actually been let off like the pressure though. He's gained he's gained more responsibility. He's gained more maturity, but mm-hmm. he's also lost a lot of the pressure of like being a captain and being like the focal point of the team with Odegaard coming to the side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he's taken away from, um, like, yeah, like I said, the pressure and like the responsibility of what a captain is. He can now just kind of play his own game. He doesn't have to talk to the referee. He doesn't have to be like that, that figure on the pitch that has to show his composure all the time. Cause we know he's a fiery guy. He wants mm-hmm. to always show with passion and play with passion. So he kind of now has the ability to do that and not have to like check himself and say, Oh, I'm, I'm the captain. I can't do this or I can't go into this tackle hard or yeah. whatever the case is. So I think him, we we touched on it last year and last last season of our podcast that Arsenal needs a guy in the midfield that's going to be that kind of player who can just be consistent, you know, win tackles, contribute offensively a little bit. They kind of wanted to find that player mm-hmm. either through transfer market or through the academy. But I think if Xhaka can consistently play the way he is alongside Thomas Partey, who had injuries last season, if they can have that core of of Odegaard, Xhaka, and party playing together the way that they are they can yeah they, they can contend mm-hmm. like that's a good midfield yeah no yeah they're looking looking really strong and arteta is obviously doing something right uh it's it's funny because jesus is just putting in a, like really good performances for them um him and uh zinchenko obviously filled in the team really well and yeah if they keep this up i think champions league is going to be in the bag and we're going to see if they can compete for the title yeah, yeah. Why not? <clears throat> I do think. Why not? They're probably favorites for me against Liverpool. Um, cause, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have yeah. no idea which Liverpool is going to show up now. So, yeah, Liverpool. That'll be interesting. Uh, sitting in a lonely ninth place. I mean, they're tied for ninth with with Brentford and Everton, but oh, tied with Everton. Wow, <laughs> I didn't notice that yet. Here we go. Um. Wow. Okay. Andrew's rattled. I am. Yeah, because I didn't know they were that low, and I didn't know Everton was that high. So that's kind of crazy. Um, good for Everton. <laughs> that's gonna fire. That's gonna put a, a fire under their butts, I think, um, for the next derby. But yeah, Liverpool, man. Uh, more draws than wins on the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, four, and one record. Positive goal differential, like we always expect, but they're just not winning games like they used to. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, it's it's an easy cop, but when you play injuries. Or when you play injuries as an excuse, but they have had some pretty bad injuries this year. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the loss of Sadio Mane is not being talked about enough. I think. Yeah. Because when you have the equal contributor of twenty goals for him and Salah basically every year, or like fifteen plus, let's say, 
he's just he's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That guy's just now gone from your team. And we've seen Diego Jota step up in the last couple of seasons. Firmino has kind of taken a back role to when Mane has been there, but he was still part of like that you know that trifecta up top. But he was like the more like the third guy on the on the sheet. Yeah. But now it's like you're stepping in the big role now again. Like mm-hmm. They need you to perform. Mm-hmm. And he did pretty well against the Brighton in this game here. But I think it just comes down to Liverpool breaking down defensively again. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold has had a howler of a season so far, <laughs> even going to his Champions League games. Um, yeah. Like being embarrassed by who? Who they lose to? Uh, Napoli. Napoli. They Getting got embarrassed by Napoli. by Napoli. He was the focal point of that game. Like they were, po- they were, you know, isolating him on the camera and pointing out his mistakes. And, I mean, I haven't really noticed it that much over the last couple of seasons. But there's a reason why he's not always picked for England. Mm-hmm. Like he's there's a reason why he's not always the first guy on their on the sheet for their for their left back or right back. <clears throat> Sorry, whatever he plays. Um. And I think it's because his defensive his defensive effort really lacks. Yeah, and yeah. even in this game too, I think there was two goals in this game that were not totally his fault, but they're on his side of the pitch, yeah. or he was someone involved. And yeah, the guy can put in a ball like anybody. He can you know score free kicks for you, but when you have a guy on your team who's a defensive liability and it's starting to cost you more times than not, mm-hmm. like I don't know how to fix that because he's a world class player. Like there's yeah. no doubt in my mind, he's like the best player for Liverpool in that position. He's right there with Reese James, I think, and Kyle Walker for the England side. So I don't know how they can fix that problem with him, but you know, I don't know. Yeah. He, it's it's a problem at Liverpool that, that Liverpool has that they haven't had for a couple of seasons now. And it's gonna be interesting to see how Klopp can rally the troops because they've been top three for like the last five seasons. Yeah. Like they haven't seen this side of the table and in, in, since Klopp's been there. Yeah, they're they're definitely not as solid um, as they have been in previous seasons. You know, you'd go into a game against Liverpool and you always kind of knew what to expect. You know, really solid performance. Big loss. Of, <laughs> or a big win for Liverpool, but a big loss yeah, for you. You know, like, chance are going to get created. Um, you'd normally have, like, Van Dyke, um, Matip uh, in the back, who are usually pretty solid. Losing Fabinho hurts. Uh, it does. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they're really we're kind of seeing how the depth of Liverpool um, is how this kind of contributing to this because they don't have players that they can immediately, immediately fill those uh, holes with. And it's, it's leading to these results that are really concerning for them because um, this isn't going to cut it. And, you know, Liverpool doesn't strike me as anyone who's going to part with Klopp anytime soon. No. Um, but they they need to they need to fix something because just there's there's gaps everywhere on the team, um, and then the injuries aren't helping. And I I don't really see it turning around for them this season. It, I feel like it's probably going to be a stretch for them to even make Champions League at this point, uh, because I feel like the the issues are kind of really deep into the team. Yeah, I it's not a case of. Just like bad performances, bad performances, and then like, oh, we're gonna get a lot of our injuries back. We're gonna put a run together. I think there's just my guts telling me there's something like just off with how they're clicking this year. Um, I'm not yeah. sure what it is. Um, so, I mean, who knows? I mean, they could put in a run like they did uh, last year when they were 17 points back of City, I think, and they just clawed their way back. And City just had a weird odd slump, but. 
just the way City's firing right now. I mean, and I say that now, but like last year was the same thing. So we'll have to see. It's going to be interesting. I think the one thing that it could help them, it might make it worse, but the World Cup break, uh, we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, It's still yet to be determined how that's going to affect the season, whether like that massive break is going to turn things around for teams or just uh, magnify what's already happening. Yeah, it's a good point because there's a lot of times when we come to breaks like that where some teams really want it to happen, some teams don't want it to happen. Yeah. Liverpool wants it to happen. Yeah. Because, like, they're, yeah, got, well, granted, some guys of their team are going to go play, so they could injure injuries. But some guys who don't play, you know, they can recover, they can take time off. Uh, Klopp can take a breather, too, because he's been a busy man the last mm-hmm. few years, too. But I think in Liverpool's case, and I don't want to always do this, but my knowledge of Chelsea is like the most I have. So I feel like in, the, in Liverpool's case, it's kind of similar to what Chelsea has, where if you have a good goalkeeper, you have good-ish defenders. You have like a world-class attack, but that midfielder, like that midfield core, is just like sketchy yeah. a little bit. And not having Naby Keita there, I think is he back now? I don't even know. I don't even know who's back. Who I think they're. I think I know Tiago's slowly getting came, eased in. Yeah, I think he's Keita. Back-ish. I'm not sure. Henderson's there, obviously too. Yeah, but I just feel like they have something missing creatively in the midfield, where they can't provide the service to Salah or mm-hmm. or Nunez or Gomez or whoever's there in that in that top three that they like to play. Um, because they have, again, they have quality. They have the ability to score. And we've seen it in, in previous seasons where even if they have a stinger of a game where they allowed two, three goals, they're scoring five. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like they never had, a, they've never had an issue scoring. We've known that. Right. Most Salah's been top of the charts for a couple of seasons now. Well, not top charts, but like up there. Right, yeah. In the top three or four or five of goal scorers, he's having a downward season so far. Uh, I think that's an obvious case of the loss of of Sadio Mane because Mane would take goals away from him, but he'd also create a lot of goals for him as well. Yeah, like he was always up there too as a top assist giver um, in the Premier League. So I think having that chemistry gone or having that double threat gone of two guys that can give you twenty goals in the season is starting to hurt Salah. He doesn't have the chemistry yet with Nunez or. Um, or, or um, Diaz. Sorry, I said Gomez earlier. I meant Diaz. Uh, Diaz and Nunez. Uh, Diego Jota's not playing like he used to. Firmino's kinda like I said before, like the go-to guy now alongside Salah. But maybe their style of play don't match up match up like they used to. And then yeah, it's just chance creation in the middle of the field. It's just not really there. Mm-hmm. Like Henderson won't give it to you because he's more like a defensive player. Thiago, like Joe said, is kind of easing back into the side. I don't know if he's hundred percent yet. But when he comes back fully, that's going to really help them out. But it's just those little things that happen in-game that became so easy to Liverpool, mm-hmm. they're fighting for now. Yeah. And it's just it's coming harder. And players are getting older. They haven't really added much depth. Like Santos said, they, like the depth is an issue. They haven't really added much depth outside of their attack. Yeah. Like their midfielders and their defenders, like, like we said, the names of Matip and Van Dyke, they're getting old. They're getting up there. Yeah, you know, Ar- mm-hmm. Alexander Arnold. You're not looking for him for defensive stops. Um, same thing with Henry, oh, with um, with Robertson on the other side. He's a good defender. He's the captain for Scotland. Yeah, at 24 years old, whatever he is, been in that for a couple of seasons now. But he's not your go-to guy to like make a big stop in the 85th minute when you need someone to like stick a tackle. Right. Fabinho leaving was a huge loss for them, I think. 
because he was kind of like that other pillar alongside Matip and, and Van Dyke. They can kind of slide into the midfield or defense if they need him to. Yeah. And that's the kind of spot on the field right now that they're missing a piece. Right. So, yeah. I mean, it's going to be tough, a tough uphill battle for Liverpool. Like Joe thinks to do, they won't make Champions League. I don't know if that's like totally out of the question yet. I think they're only four or five points back at this point. Yeah, four behind Brighton. That's true. <laughs> Plus Brighton. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's they they've played one less match too, um, compared to everyone else. So they can get that game back and you know, be in the thirteenth point range, which would be fifth tied with Chelsea. So I, I feel like they could be up there and battle for Champions League spots, but to be able to sustain it over mm-hmm. the next thirty games that are going to come through the Premier League, it might be tough. I think they might be able to do it. Then I think they could squeak it out over Chelsea, maybe because I don't think Chelsea's very good yeah. this year. Um. I just I think Liverpool's like a more well coached side, yeah, and they, they're more yeah. polished than what Chelsea is. Chelsea's still trying to figure out who the hell they are for the last five years. Yeah, so um, I I think it's, I think Klopp's maturity and Klopp's um, uh, what was it like his uh like coaching experience experience yes thanks Joe his experience like will prevail over what <laughs> what's having at Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they could lock in that fourth spot, but it's gonna be tough. Like it's not gonna be easy. Yeah. I think Chelsea, Man U, and Liverpool are all kind of in the same spot in terms of potential and slash problems. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. But shout out to Brighton for taking it to Liverpool. Um, I I honestly thought Liverpool was going to lose this game. Just <laughs> super down. They were 2-0 down in the first... First 14 minutes. Trossard, two two huge goals away at Anfield, just taking it to them. Um, the, at Anfield, too. The Yeah. Liverpool got pretty lucky with the first goal. Um, that kind of set them going. Otherwise, I feel like it was going to be Brighton um, all the way through. But still good for Brighton, picking up a point away, like I said. Um, Trossard getting a hat-trick at Anfield. I mean, that's one that he's going to treasure for the rest of his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, Brighton's sitting fourth place right now where Chelsea, Manu, and Liverpool all want to be sitting. But they they're being pretty consistent. Uh, we have seen them just sit in the top four uh, a few times um, in past seasons, yeah. and the you know, slide comes around December. Yeah, it's <laughs> it, it, you know as obviously they don't they don't have the 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 financial backing and the depth that a lot of the big clubs have. So when they get injuries or you know they start having more competitions, I think that's where it really starts to show. But it's it's. It's good to see them, you know, take take points off the the big clubs because uh, it just keeps the league more competitive. If I'm Brighton though, in the other competitions, I just wouldn't even care. Yeah, just focus on uh, on the Premier League. On the Premier League, yeah. and because yeah, they they can perform well. So get like hopefully have a really good run, stay in Champions League for one season, and make a massive uh, influx crazy. of money. Yeah, like I'm not sure of the winnings, but I feel like if you finish top six, Premier League. That's probably more than winning like an FA Cup. I could be totally yeah. wrong. I have no idea. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it's a, the um, FA Cup or Carabao. the Carabao Cup, where I think the prize money is only like two million pounds for one of those. Oh, I feel like a top top five, top six Premier League is probably like fifteen yeah. or something. I have again, I have no idea. I'm not but I'm um, sure it's yeah. that much. Something. But I feel like bright, I feel like they have a better chance though to, to finish in top ten of. Premier League than they do to win FA Cup. 
Um, we have seen yeah. it before where like, you know, Wigan, for instance, for yeah. example, Wigan's Ooh. gone to the FA Cup final like four times Yeah, or something like in our recent history. Um, I think Sunderland's been around there too uh, semi-recently or maybe one of, the, one of the cup finals, whatever yeah. it is. So th- we do see the lower sides get in there, like the Cinderella stories. But again, from Brighton's standpoint, Graham Potter being there for the time that he has spent there and be able to pr- you know bring them up from promotion or from the start of the second division to promotion and all that. Um, I feel like we'll get into Chelsea now, I guess. Well, I feel like that's good for Brighton. Right? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's why you're there. You're there to bring some promotion. But are you good enough to be able to be at a side like Chelsea and now not just be at a at a spot where you can get results to promote a team where you can still lose and promote? Like you know, it, every every team that gets promoted from the Championship division or even the lower, lower divisions, they don't go undefeated. Yeah, we know that. They have a good record, yes, but they don't have the same record comparison as a team that's going to win the Premier League. Yeah. Right? I mean, if, if City has to get, was it 94 points to win? Is that what it is? Or 90, 92 points-ish? Yeah, like lately it's been like 92, I think, last year. I forget. Okay, because I but think in the, yeah. in, the, in the championship division they play more games. So, I mean, it's mm-hmm. kind of skewed numbers. But let's say you have to have a win percent or something of 85% or whatever. I have no idea. But in the championship, you can win 75% of your games. Yeah. And, like, you still get promoted. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or you still have, like, a good um, a good enough record to gain the playoff for promotion, which is what Brighton has basically only had to achieve. Yeah. That's why mm-hmm. that's why Potter was there. You didn't have to win the league, just get promoted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then kind of sustain, like, a top 10. At Chelsea now, it's like, we need you to win every game because <laughs> that's what Chelsea demands. That's what the ownership wants and management wants. Mm-hmm. Which is unrealistic, obviously. And if you don't do that, you're sacked. Yeah. So I don't know if like the pressure of what he's had to sustain at Brighton is similar at all to what he's gonna have at Chelsea. I could probably say it's not. And I don't know if he can handle it. I don't know if he can deal with it. I don't know if he can overcome it and persevere. But ten goals and ten goals against from Chelsea is like something we haven't seen in a long time. Like even under Tuchel. Like when mm-hmm. Tuchel was in his quote unquote slide at Chelsea, which hasn't even existed really, they were positive goal differential. They were still winning games. They were mm-hmm. inconsistent at at times, but ten four ten against. Yeah, I mean, I think I think only two games have been played under Potter with Chelsea, both coming with wins. Um, obviously, yep. with good results, but I don't know, man. Like it's it's such a, they're such a strange team to me right now. Like you guys asked me They're before, like, go like, ahead. You guys, you asked me before, like my opinion on Tuchel being fired, and I was like, I don't even know what that means right now. Like I don't know, like I was still trying to grasp it at the time, like a month ago now, whatever it is, three weeks ago, and I still don't get it. Yeah, and I still don't know. Like it's to me, it's it's like it's surreal that he's not there because I'm like he didn't do anything to be sacked. Like he didn't do an, enough wrong. He didn't do enough wrong <laughs> to not be there right now. Yeah, I've, in my eyes, and this guy's just getting like the job of his lifetime right now. Yeah, and it's like, okay, go do good for us, go win. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because it's weird for me. Um, the Tuchel sacking made no sense. <laughs> yeah, me. join the club, Joe. To me, I didn't mind the Graham Potter appointment, but I also at the same time like, I don't know if he's gonna like win you a title. It's gonna be tough. Like I don't think he's won anything in his career. 
it's going to be tough because like you're dealing with City and you know Arsenal and Liverpool and Tottenham that are like very established. You've had coaches that you know Arteta hasn't won titles yet, but he's been under a manager that has won titles. But he has won. Yes, he has won titles. Uh, Yeah, he's won titles as a player. But he knows what it takes to win titles. Yeah, I don't know if Potter's. I mean, that's maybe you know my my own kind of criticism on myself. Like I don't know. I don't know knowledgeably if he's won. Yeah. Does that make sense? Knowledgeably? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have no knowledge if he's won. That's, that could be my fault. Yeah. But I know under the English umbrella, the, the EPL umbrella, he hasn't won anything. Yeah. He's at Chelsea. I mean, which is what they all they want to do is win. I mean, if it's, if the expectation is like, oh, we just need you to consistently get into top four until we can land like. <laughs> Carlo Ancelotti again or something again I don't know again time. for the fifth time whatever it is yeah I don't know it's I think it would be very it would be very unfair to him especially if the idea was like oh we're gonna bring you to Chelsea and like you have to win us a title in like two or three years I think that's exactly what is what, what if that if mean. that's it that's that's like tough I mean for him like if it, I was him, I for sure would have taken it in a heartbeat because, like, you, that, like, one of the pundits said, like, that opportunity, like, almost yeah. is never a good time. Like, there's never, you're never going to walk into a Chelsea, Tottenham, Liverpool, Man U when things are going great for them. <laughs> so it's, oh, you're only going to get those offers, like, once in a lifetime when things aren't great. So for him, like, he 100% had to take the offer um, and see what he can do. Um, but if the board is expecting, like, yeah, w- with this Chelsea team, we want you to, like, win the title, which means, like, you have to beat out, like, Pep. <laughs> Yeah. Very tough, and which again, it's strange with Tuchel because I felt like for a, a long time Tuchel had Pep's number, which is exactly what you want in a coach. Um, but it was the other games that he wasn't winning. Yeah, which I don't he, know. he was losing to Southampton, losing to Palace, losing to Bournemouth. Yeah. You know, very strange. So I mean, we'll see what happens. Um, only time will tell. Yeah, like I said, two wins under Potter for Chelsea in the Premier League. Uh, squeaked one out against Crystal Palace away. Uh, never an easy spot to play, as Joe knows from the Man City uh, games mm-hmm. all the time. I think that's his favorite. <laughs> My favorite, favorite stat. Yeah, favorite stat. <laughs> I think I did. I bring that up before. I knew it's like a hoochie thing for Man City. <laughs> <laughs> like when Crystal Palace goes to City, it's not a good thing. And the, the other one, Southampton too, right? I think it's Crystal Palace at home and Southampton away. It's just always problematic. Yeah, I think. Um, so Chelsea went there. Uh, came away from. Came away 2-1 victors. Conor Gallagher scoring in the 89th minute against his former club that he was there for on loan for at least one season. I can't remember if he was there for one or two years. Um, how do you feel about the no celebration scoring against your former club? Uh, I, I think it's good. The respect? I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's I just out of respect for what everything the club has done for you in the past. Yeah. Uh, you see Holland did it against Dortmund. Um, I, it was cool. I remember Ronaldo doing it one Man U played Sporting Lisbon in Champions League mm, yeah. all the time, and uh, I feel like uh, when they were away, and it was pretty cool. Like all the Sporting fans were like pumped that he was there, and like obviously he's moved on to bigger and better things. Uh, I like it. I think it's a good show of respect. Yeah, the reverse is funny though. If it's if it's like on bad terms that you leave, and then you oh, score then you away, love it. Then it's like. A big fuck you to everyone. It's kind of hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if Sterling scores against City. Ooh. Well, I mean, that's gonna happen. <laughs> it's gonna happen. <laughs> it's gonna be <laughs> tough. Um. I don't know. We'll see. Sterling's a strange. I think. 
Did he celebrate whenever? Did he score against Liverpool? I'm sure he when, did. When he was at City, I'm not sure if he celebrated. Time obviously heals all wounds, uh, mm-hmm. but initially, that move was like pretty huge because like he was a bright star at Liverpool. Yeah. On a side that was not very good. Yeah. Like there's like Liverpool, if they were at the level that they are, well maybe not now, but let's say Liverpool of last season, if they had if they had Sterling, there's no way he goes to Man City. Yeah, I think at that time he was kind of the shining star of what Liverpool was in the semi-rebuilding stage before Klopp showed up there mm-hmm. under Brendan Rodgers and towards the end of Rafa Benitez, and I think he his move to Man City was obviously huge, but I think it was timely as well. Yeah, I mean, it sucks for Liverpool because he turned into like a blossom player at Man City under Pep. Obviously, he developed in what he is kind of now. I guess at Chelsea, mm-hmm. uh, he might have lost a step or two, but. Uh, that move was that was that was big time when mm-hmm. it happened. Yeah, yeah, that was that was like talk of the town. Yeah, big yeah um, for sure. Because he was there with Suarez too, I think, and yeah, the end of Fernando Torres maybe. Fernando, like that team, they had good players, but yeah. they just couldn't get it done. And I know that's kind of when City was like really emerging, and Chelsea was like super competitive. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it was tough to kind of crack that top three, top two spots. But any any other league that that Liverpool side they could have won. Yeah, they, you know they. I mean they ah again you're going against Real Madrid or you're going against Bayern Munich. But like you're if you paired them up against any other league, I think they would be definitely top two hundred percent. But those years with we got yeah, with uh, Mourinho and um we yeah, when when uh when Pep first got there and like the end of Ancelotti like not Ancelotti Mancini yeah um. That's when EPL was kind of like at their peak. And then Brendan Rodgers fucking went with Leicester. So, like, <laughs> that happened too, I guess. Kind of throw yeah. that one in there. Another uh, missed opportunity for, for Liverpool. Yeah. Um, next, we got... Oh, yeah. So, if you haven't noticed, we haven't touched on Man U yet or Man City. Right. The big Manchester Derby. We're kind of waiting to the end of the podcast here because we think it's going to take the most time to talk about. Yep. Um, we're at the 37 and a half minute mark now. So for the next 37 and a half minutes now, we'll probably talk about Man, Man City and Man United. Um, before I do that, I just want to qu- toss out a quick stat here on the prize money. Cause we were talking about it. Oh yeah. Uh, first place in the EPL gets 44 million pounds. Jesus. 40. I, that's a lot more than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Shows eyes are huge. Four, four. Second gets 41.8. Third gets 39.6. Fourth gets 37.4. Fifth gets thirty five point two. I that's a smaller gap than I would have thought. I thought the difference between fourth and fifth would have been bigger. Um, sixth gets thirty three million, and then seventh gets thirtieth. Um, if you finish twentieth, you get two point two million pounds. Well, to relegate, yeah. And then where's the big drop off? Uh, there honestly isn't any big drop off. It's, it's consistently like two, like two, 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 two. Yeah, like, consistent like two. To and change, yeah. uh, decrease okay. over the entire. Now FA Cup prize money, winner gets two point four dollars. Brighton dollars survive two point four US dollars. Yeah, survive okay. top top ten. Runner yeah. runner up gets one point two, uh, and then I also have Carabao Cup winner gets a uh, hundred thousand pounds. Oh, that's the one I saw where the cup winner gets like nothing. Runner up gets fifty thousand pounds. Why even playing that? Community Shield. Uh the winners and the runner ups split the prize money 
of 1.25 million so that you wait, get six wait, 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 community shield community uh, shield you have what community shield there's 1.25 million uh for the final and the winner and the runner up split it 50-50 what the, are, there's only two teams in the community shield Right, so they split the they split the money. So six hundred twenty five thousand pounds. Only two teams, and the, and the winner gets the shield. Winner and runner up. So the only two teams that ever play for the community shield every season. Yeah, so they, there's just one point two five million pounds allocated to the community shield, and the winner and the runner up share it, <laughs> and the winner gets the shield. This is what I mean with like it's just it's, the Carabao Cup's all sponsorship stuff. Yeah, yeah. So including, it's not that lucrative for them because if they can only dish out a hundred thousand for the winner. They probably don't make that much money unless they're just cheapskates and they want to keep all the money and only give it a hundred grand for the the top prize. If you're not gonna like, if you're not a huge team, I don't find any purpose on focusing, especially as a business. I find no purpose in focusing on the other competitions, especially if you're like a ninth to like fifteenth place yeah. EPL team. And you're like teetering on like issues of like getting in a relegation battle. You want to put all your folks on the EPL, consistently get that twenty, that what is it, the thirteen million to like twenty six million range for whatever fifteenth to ninth. Get that prize money, just for staying in the EPL every season. Focus yeah. on that and just like keep building your team. Like, why are you gonna put focus on the FA Cup mm-hmm. to hopefully win two point four million? on the chance that you win because fans want trophies fans want trophies yeah. and because you still do see the championship team that's like 14th in the championship that makes the final FA Cup where it's like they're not going to gain promotion anyways mm-hmm. yeah so they won't be in the Premier League next season but they have a chance to make FA Cup final to get that prize money plus to get the trophy that's the only reason that's the only way I can see like really mattering. yeah I mean for championship for, size for, it makes sense should New pro- new proposition. Should the Premier League be not involved in the FA Cup? No, like no, I think they should still be involved. But it, I think they imagine, should. Imagine they're not though. Like, That'd be kind of cool. But um, or I, care, even the Carabao Cup. Who gives a fuck? I think a lot of it has to do about it. A lot of it has to do which is kind of interesting. A lot of it has to do with when the smaller sides plays bigger sides in the FA Cup. Yes. It's a lot of uh money for them. Yeah. You got Man U going to 7,000 seater stadium or something. Yeah. Plus like the viewer view revenue whatever it is. Um, yeah. So there's that. Well, um, I wonder if they get more viewership revenue than they do like for winning the actual thing. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, if you're care about cups, crazy hundred grand. That's what I, like either either get rid of it or change the format or something because like, like what I don't know, I don't know where that cup tournament <laughs> came from. <laughs> I thought Carabao used to be Chelsea sponsor, and then I was like, oh, there's yeah, there's a tournament. Well, they weren't they weren't their primary sponsor, though, like their second or third, like their their warm up shirts. Yeah, had Carabao energy drink on it. Very. Yeah, I don't know what the point of like That's FA Cup. I understand it's like historic, yeah. sure. Hundred thousand dollars. Well, the Carabao Cup used to be called like the Capital One Cup or something. I think that's a, that's definitely like a sponsored event. Yeah, like the FA is like an, the FA Cup's an obviously an FA sanctioned tournament. They're, they're they're domestic tournament between five divisions, whatever it is. Carabao Cup, somewhat similar, I guess, but that's put forth by sponsors. Yeah, you don't need that. Mm-hmm. 
that takes away the genuine feel of winning a tournament because it's like, oh, we lost the FA Cup, but we won the Carabao Cup. Yeah. Like, who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah, it's a trophy. Oh, wow. Like, we completed the treble. <laughs> the treble of the Carabao Cup, the FA Cup, and the Premier League title? Like, who the fuck wants that? Yeah. Like, Pep makes a hundred grand in like two weeks. He just give it to his like players and say, here, here's my Carabao Cup money. Just yeah. made that last year or last month. I think like. Hundred grand. Yeah, I mean, and that's for a full sorry for a full season tournament. Yeah, these teams are spending more money traveling to fucking Shrewsbury Town every second week to play in this Carabao Cup than they would to win the money. Yeah, spending money on travel accommodations, all that kind of shit. It's like who cares? Yeah, and the smaller sides, the third the third division team that's got to go again travel. Who we've seen the Wrexham, you know documentary and everything that like we've we've watched it, i guess we, mm-hmm. we see how tough it is for these smaller sides to get funding and all that kind of stuff yeah well you're investing all this money to get your players to be good enough to compete to win a hundred thousand dollar tournament that's gonna last your entire season there must be something where like the sponsors pay for like maybe like on paper it's a hundred thousand but you get some like i don't under the know. table money but yeah because if you're like who is it like everton let's say even this year like, I mean, Everton's a little bit different because, like, their fans are... I mean, but even so, it's like, if you're Everton's like, hey, like, we're not going to focus on the Carabao Cup because, like... But they would, they'd we be want... ecstatic to win it, though. Yeah. I mean, anyone would be ecstatic to win a tournament, but, like, you're also a business. And, like, if you're, like, Wolves or someone and you're playing your first team against, like, whoever in the Carabao Cup and then you get, like, an injury and then all now you're still in a relegation scrap, you don't have players, it's very... Very odd to justify that than like, oh, let's put our focus on the Premier League to finish at least, you know, 11th or 12th every single season, make sure we stay in the league, and then just bank that 13 or so million. Okay, Mm -hmm. new proposition. (laughs) If you finish in the European places the previous season, you cannot play in the Carabao Cup. (laughs) I. I don't know. Like, it's <laughs> it's funny because in the past, big teams were using it as like a youth thing where they they play their yeah. youth and give their youth opportunity. Um, it was only I think in 2010 when big clubs started really taking it seriously as a trophy to win. In 2010, what was it called? Does it say? Uh, it's. I mean, it's always kind of been considered the EFL Cup. It's just That's had, what it is, EFL yeah. Cup. It's just always had it. Like, it's still considered the EFL Cup. It just has a different sponsorship name. But. Um, you have the FA Cup. It's basically the same thing. Yeah, I feel like the FA might be wider. Um, as in like more leagues are in it. I think like more yeah. clubs. Mm-hmm. I remember Kelly's Kelly's cousin in England. They were like, I think that they were one or two wins away from like being promoted to a division that could play in the FA Cup. And it was okay. like they're like a men's league almost. Like, yeah, <laughs> like it was. They were a little bit more than that. But they had like, you know, guys that had like regular full time jobs that were playing like Sundays and stuff and they have practice obviously throughout the week. Yeah. And they took it more serious than like how we would, I guess. But they were like right there. Like they could have like literally gained promotion and they would have won like two or three more games in their league um back in England in like the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, which is kinda crazy. <laughs> that is pretty intense. They would have been like, you know, the worst of the worst, obviously though, like in the yeah in the grand scale of things, grand scheme of things. But you know, who <laughs> imagine like Man City goes to like <laughs> where, where do they even play? Man City goes to center line. <laughs> yeah, the center line. Yeah, where we used to play. 
Oh, God, what, what was their team name? Oh, that's going to piss me off now. I have them somewhere. I had them on Twitter at one point. You guys talk about Man City and how much you love them. Um, Yeah, I mean, we're going to dive in here. Uh, it's funny because we were watching the... Uh, the replays again of the city menu game. So, city city came out six uh, three winners. Uh, it's really funny what Joe said. I forget who he said it to, where menu got three goals and all three goals were consolation goals in a six three win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I mean, I'll, I'll start with like the team as a whole. Um. Cities just for me, I mean, they're the only undefeated side right now in the Premier League. Uh, I thought in the past they were really complete as a team, even though they never had a striker. They're just looking probably like the most dangerous team. Uh, you know, I think I said that before, but every, especially all the big games are going into, um, they're really taking it to the top sides, which is going to be really concerning for everyone. Yeah. All right. Is this, is this it? Will, Will I think and, it's Willing, Will and Hall. Will and Will Hall, Hall Town Hall. SC. Sorry, Will and Hall Town Shout FC out. was very close um, to being possibly in the FA Cup. Okay. <laughs> I love like the five, co- five love years ago. The, in 1953. Love the cover photo. Just old boots. Yeah. Old boots on a money field. It's a nice little crest. Yeah. Salus Populus. Oh, sorry. Salus Populus Supremelic. Super Melix? Super All right, if anyone wants to read the Willenhelm Town FC, Chris can go take a Follow Willenhelm Town FC on Twitter. We got to start covering Wrexham, though. Yeah, we could do that. Let's be honest. Uh, then you can't watch the show, though. Hmm? You, then you can't watch the show because you have to be like in live time. Yeah. You won't like, you want to see. <laughs> it would go against everything you guys believe in and not watching live yeah, TV. Yeah, not watching any live TV and then just watch <laughs> F1 Drive to Survive in March when they cover all the races. Oh, my God. That's the most absurd thing I've ever heard in my life. Uh, say, so Any, maybe, anyway, what you're saying? Uh, with City. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're they're just like really complete, you know, very, very deep. Um, the fact that Holland Who's that? is just putting in these performances week in, week out. Got his third hat trick, third home game in a row. Never been done in the EPL. Has three hat tricks already in eight games, which is the same as the likes of Ronaldo, Drogba, um, all those stars. And they all did it in like 200 plus games or 200-ish games. That's insane. Uh, so like not even comparable. I mean, Holland's obviously going to get more hat tricks in his career. So... I, I don't really like even with how good Arsenal is doing, I don't see City um you know dropping points and losing the title this season. I think when City goes and plays Arsenal, uh they're going to take that and I think they're just going to sit at the top of the table until the end of the season. Um you know as long as like no injuries happen. But like we saw it with the highlights, like De Bruyne just has an outlet now with, you know, mm-hmm. he has his passing ability. He never really had a striker who was just going to pelt her in the box and find space. And now he has it. 
and he's just racking up assists. Holland's putting the ball in the net. It's uh, it's really good to watch. It's scary for every other team, and I love it. Like it's, I haven't seen this type of footy in a long yeah. time, if not ever. I just love. <laughs> So I love just the domination of like Foden, De Bruyne, and Holland is like it's unfair. It's disgusting. But then you have guys like Gundogan pitch in. Yeah, like, and then Grealish. you also have Gundogan, Bernardo Silva, and Grealish. He finally scored last. Uh, he last scored, game. and it's true what Pep said. He brought in Grealish to like get up the field, and if you look at a lot of the games he's played, and I think because. Everyone says, like, oh, Grealish is not scoring, flop, all this stuff. But he starts every game. And if you look, like, he picks the ball and he'll bring the ball up, like, 30, 40 yards and then get City set so that they're in. So you look at the goal we were looking at with Holland or De Bruyne doing that disgusting pass to Holland in the box and he, like, reached and scored. Like, that was Grealish, like, bringing it back up the field. So, you know, I think that goes to Pep who, like, sees what he wants from players and, like, brings them in. He doesn't really care, like... Mm -hmm. Oh, like Grealish is a flop. Like he's he has specific roles for people in his team. So, um, yeah, just wanted to toss it in there. But yeah, Grealish, Bernardo, Gundogan, you have Cancelo, Mares, Mara. Like yeah, just that you guy. also have Mares, who's like your top goal scorer last year. Just also just coming in and out. Yeah, and that point, Joe, where, where you said that he just finds guys to like make it work. That's what separates Pep from everybody else. Yeah, because like when you have managers who again who just spend money to spend money. Mm-hmm. And we've seen it kind of before Tenet got there with Man U. They're spending money on Sancho just to spend money on Sancho. Yeah. They're spending money on Ronaldo to bring him back and do the whole farewell tour kind of thing. Pep spends money where he needs things to get fixed. He probably knew coming into last season that Sterling was on his way out. Yeah. And he could see the tide turning. Okay, we're going to get rid of Sterling next year, but now we have Grealish. Yeah. Morris is kind of phasing out. Now we're going to bring in like Gundogan in a more progressive role or Foden in a more progressive or more prominent role with the team. So he can kind of always like see one step ahead. And I feel like with Grealish, he's like an outlet guy. Yeah. Like you don't want to build from the back. Obviously, City's like prone for doing that. You know, Ederson has the ball at the back, plays it with his feet, one, two, three passes up the field, they score a goal. But to get to like that third level of like up the field, a guy like Grealish, yeah, he comes in to play really well. Yeah. Like he can hold the ball. He's got good possession. He's strong, even though he does, quote, flop. And I think he had the record for like most, you know, fouls. Yeah. One, I guess, last year. Fouls one? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fouls one like last year, a couple years ago with uh, with West Ham. Or with uh, Villa, sorry. Um, he, he still is a strong player, obviously. But he does have the pace. He has the ball control. He has the vision to just like not have to create, not have to score, but just do his job well. Mm-hmm. Which is the thing, like the exact words that you said. Just do your job that you're there to do. Yeah. And then you know let Halon take the rest of it. Like he's gotten more goals himself than some teams do this whole season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, Santi. Yep. He is sitting 14 goals 14, in yeah. in nine games right now, and uh, sitting they have 29 goals for more goals in Chelsea. Nine against. More goals in Chelsea. More goals in Man U. More goals in Newcastle. More goals than Fulham. Uh, more goals than Everton, Leeds, Bournemouth, Aston Villa, West Ham. Basically everybody in the bottom table. <laughs> Other than Leicester, who just got four goals in their match yesterday. Um, they're tied at 14 with Haaland. <laughs> just funny to say. 
Yeah. If you're not in the top 11, you have less goals than one player does. Which, I mean, we, haven't, we haven't seen this. No. We, we haven't seen this kind of dominance from from one player in the Premier League. Yeah, and I mean, I just told something the other day, like, when new, st- I always find when you have st- number nines come from other leagues, they always take time to settle in. The only exception, like in recent years, I saw was uh, Aguero way back when. I'm trying to think if there was anyone else. Diego Costa was not like the impactful guy. Like, we, like he didn't put up 30 goals for Chelsea, but he came mm. in and did a yeah. good job. Did a solid job. Yeah, but like. I've never seen a goal scoring machine in another league come to another league and it's like, oh, you're a goal scoring machine here as well, just right off the bat. Um, but I know I think it goes to like the team around them. Um, and I, I think it goes to show like they, City was missing a number nine last year. I know it's like the whole false nine thing, but with the quality they have and the precision that they have when they can put balls in the box, you need someone that's going to poach because they put even. Like last after Aguero left, there was those years where you know Jesus was playing up front, Sterling was playing up front, but they just did not. And goes to show, like they did not have the instinct to just get in the right spot or anticipate where the ball is going to go because we see City play like ball goes out wide, it goes in the box, but they could just not find that guy because the guy was in the right spot. Now with Holland, he just knows where he has to be, and they can just put the ball in. And well, they also try. They also tried to do that in many ways where they send the ball along the ground where it might get intercepted. Or if they do try and swing across into the box, you have Gabriel Jesus, who's like five nine. Yeah. This guy's six foot five. He's basically <laughs> won every head ball he's ever challenged in his life because he's an absolute beauty. And he has the finesse of being able to finish outside the box. He has the vision to be able to make a run like from that ball that De Bruyne played. From, you know, he gained twelve yards of pace in a second, he seemed like yeah. to be able to finish that uh that pass from De Bruyne. And I just thought of this right now. In our time coming up, like when we were in like our prime of like playing, we also we also like the Neymar videos of him at Santos, I think it was, mm-hmm. where he's just like dangling the ball at his feet, doing like the tricky shit. Like the first ever viral videos of like football players coming up. I know Ronaldinho kind of did it before, in like the mid two thousands. But Neymar for our generation was kind of like our guy. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh my god, like you gotta watch this guy play. You gotta watch like the moves he makes. Gotta watch the goals he scores. Yeah, is Holland like that guy now? Because it's like literally every, like he's not putting a highlight reel together where he's obviously dangling guys and like doing rabonas and nutmegging players and obviously has like all like the tricky factors to him. Mm-hmm. But literally every time he this guy fucking plays, he scores goals. Yeah, even for his club country in Norway, or sorry, his uh, national country in Norway. Yeah, since he's been a Norwegian player, he's played in twenty three matches since twenty nineteen. As a, what is that, a 19-year-old, guy's born in literally the year 2000, which is nuts. <laughs> he's got 21 goals in 23 games for his country. Yeah. He's got 14 goals in 8 Premier League games for City. He scored 62 in 67 Bundesliga games for Dortmund. And at Salzburg, before he made his big switch to the Bundesliga, he scored 17 goals in 16 games for Salzburg. This guy's literally been consistently scoring more than a goal per game. For the last three seasons of his life, yeah, it's and I, and like, sorry and like I said with with the with the Neymar comparison, he's getting outlets like Barstool Sports posting videos of Haaland scoring goals. Yeah, that doesn't happen. Yeah, like Barstool might have done like the odd again Neymar crazy Rabona dangle goal or something from like five six years ago, but that's it. Yeah, yeah. like this guy's literally taking off and he's having other platforms and outlets 
you know, catching an eye on his the way he's playing because he just gets goals. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. Yeah, and I do like it because it's going away from the whole like flashy, like score, like do all this stuff and like make things look good. He's just like efficient, and he's just putting the ball in the back of the net, which at the end of the day is the only thing that matters in a football match. Just getting the getting the goals, no matter how, and they're you know they're really nice goals. They're really hard to do. But, you know, if you're not a soccer player and you just look at them, you'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> but, like, the the main goal, even his header, where it looks like a simple header, but he went through three guys, went through two, and then out-jumped McTominay. So, got through three guys to put that ball in um, to get the power behind it. Like you said, the goal with De Bruyne where he got there where we made a joke where if I expected you to get there on a pass I made, <laughs> I <wanna laughs> would, <stop>. would never <laughs> happen. Be like, what are I you doing? Literally, <laughs> I can see how it exactly would have played out. I would have made the run stopped put my hand in the air and been like the fuck yeah why are you making that pass <laughs> i'm not gonna get there but you know he's six foot five he's obviously an animal with pace yeah and it, i it'll be cool to see what the next breed of strikers look like where if you have young kids consistently looking at him on how to play where the only thing that matters is your positioning in the box and how you put the ball in the net yeah uh that's that's what i i really like and uh yeah, he's just doing it all right, and it's it's funny because um, I want to dive into what something Pep said. Um, originally, I I didn't even think it was true, but I saw it on ESPN FC and uh, just went on a bunch of other sites to make sure it's what he actually said. But someone asked him the difference between him and Messi, and he said that Erling Haaland you know, a lot of time needs his mates. That's what uh, Pep said to get the goals he's scoring. And a lot of times Messi could do it on his own and just get goals out of nowhere where I think at this point, you know, it's really hard to compare him to Messi who's had entirely different. (laughs) This is like apples and oranges. Yeah. Like they're, they're two completely different positions. Um, But it's going to be really cool to see how he develops into a player because, you know, Messi, um, he was doing it all at a young age, um, but he wasn't getting this many goals this early. Um, so if it's going to be interesting to see the trajectory of how this goal scoring continues in the future. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, like, and again, like he's, like we just said, he's different. From, he's different from Messi, where he doesn't have, he doesn't maybe take as much abuse because Messi takes a lot of abuse mm-hmm. because he does fit his way into like tight spaces. He does um, have a lot of ball possession on his feet, and he still was able to perform and contribute and score a ton of goals. Ronaldo, again, opposite scale. What Messi is is a big, strong, pacey guy, hard shot, and he racked up all his goals that he scored. Was he over five hundred now? Is that what it is? I. Uh, was that the big so. milestone he hit last year? If I, I was five hundred, so. I think. Um, I mean, this guy here, he's gotten uh, quick math. I don't even know. Top flight 30. goals around a hundred so far, maybe. In three seasons. Yeah. Uh, and he's twenty-two years old. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to say he's like the next coming, quote unquote, of like the best player of all time, but he could be one of the top goal scorers of all time, come the end of his career in let's say fifteen more years. Or th- yeah. thirteen more years, you know. What I mean, like if he's done, if he scored, if he's already scored a hundred goals in three seasons, what can he do in thirteen more? Math. 
They'll come out to like 500-ish more. Yeah, so more. <laughs> Ronaldo, um, according to the highlight sap, he has 815 goals to his name uh, in every single competition possible, internationally included, in mm-hmm. 1,121 appearances. So 0.73 goal ratio. How on now is like over a goal game? Mm-hmm. Right 100%. Yeah. Maybe if you don't bring international in there, but like... Yeah, he Holland's racking him up right now. Uh, yeah, it was his 700th career goal. That was the the big one. That was okay. That's the right. the big milestone. That was like career goal, as in uh, like domestic competition. Uh, just any goal he's ever scored. So international. Um, it was an international game against Ukraine. Uh, when he got that goal. So okay, that's including international and domestic. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a lot of goals, man. Yeah, if Holland stays healthy, I think he can definitely do that and break that record. But um, he's yeah, he's just breaking every single record in the in the league. But you have to give credit to the rest of the the city team. I mean, De Bruyne a lot of times was taking the spotlight on on everything he was doing, but it's just showing how good of a player De Bruyne is as well with the service he can give to him. Um, just showing when you have someone that good uh, who's able to find space and you have someone like De Bruyne who's able to give that service to him, uh, that's what makes it really dangerous, I think. Yeah, I mean, it obviously helps. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, being able to get the ball from like, a world-class player as well, like, that's... It's not... I mean, he still... He's, again, he still has to do like the, the work of putting the ball in the back of the net, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're here. I think we just found Halon Stadz actually right here. So... 168 matches played. I'm not sure exactly what that consists of. Well, as a center forward, 168 matches played as a center forward, and he has 100 and 148 goals. That's that's a house league soccer. Mm-hmm. That's literally like you know a, a men amongst boys in like our league. Yeah, and this guy's 22. Yeah, that's what makes it like crazy. Yeah, like his prime is going to be in another five years, probably. That's scary. Again, yes, it does help. Compliments of De Bruyne giving the ball, pulling the strings, but he has to score. He's got to get up there and win the header. Mm-hmm. He's got to get his toe on that, you know, beautiful pass. He's got to be in the right place at the right time, and it comes from vision. It comes from experience. It comes from just knowing the game, and I think. Again, as the guy who goes against you boys every single time on this po- on this uh, topic of Man City, I think this title, I think this Champions League, is theirs to lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the only way that they can lose the Premier League title and the Champions League this season is that they do to themselves somehow, some self-inflicting, mm-hmm. some implosion on whatever scale. Uh, I think that's the only way that they can lose lose points and lose the Champions League this season because this is this is the one missing gap they've always had, mm-hmm. and now it's it's filled. There's yeah. no other gaps in this team. Yeah, Literally barring nothing, barring injuries, barring an injury. Um, which is interesting. I saw Pep uh, talking about how like he's giving a lot of credit to his physio because I know, um, at Dortmund last year, Erling was uh, he had a lot of injuries. Oh, I guess are you guys on a first name basis now. Yeah. 
He was on it. He was, he had a lot of injuries. So the physio are taking like more time with him to keep him fit and healthy. Um, they actually traveled with him to his international games with Norway. Nice. To make sure he stays fit. So, and yeah, and that's the thing too. He's playing every game with Man City. Yeah. Like we've seen it before in, in previous seasons where, you know, the number nine role, the false nine might be Jesus one game. And then now it's Foden this game. Yeah. Or now it's Grealish or now it's Sterling. And those guys kind of rotate. He's started every game he's played. Yeah. Like, I think in every competition. And then he goes to Norway, and he's like clearly the best player there. Yeah. Flies back home to Manchester. He's clearly the best player there. Or most important, maybe. Yeah. Is he the most important guy at Man City right now? Uh, who, who, who suffers more? If if Haaland, if Haaland gets injured, knock on wood, obviously don't condone it. If Haaland gets injured, who suffers more, De Bruyne? Or, sorry, no. If, if Man City, who suffers more? Wait, no, sorry. How do I say this? Is it worse does, if Haaland or yeah, De Bruyne? Who does, Man, who does Man City suffer more from losing, Haaland or De Bruyne? De Bruyne for sure. I would say. You think? Um, I think it's Haaland. Ooh, here we go. Clash, it would be clash, tough. Clash. Um, I think Haaland would probably have thirty percent less goals without De Bruyne. Okay. <laughs> it's like a, it's a, <laughs> most random st- random number that you could easily find how many times De Bruyne. De Bruyne uh, 30%. You just have to find how many times De Bruyne. But I think if Haaland wasn't there, De Bruyne would probably still figure it out with whoever's up top. I don't know if... Because um, who would probably be in that spot? Gundogan. You'd have Gundogan, Silva, and Rodri playing. Oh. <sighs> I think it would be it would be super tough. I don't know. I think maybe good. It would be it's close. You obviously don't want any either of them to get injured. No, yeah, that's not my point of this yeah. question. It's hypothetical. Yeah, it's tough. It is tough, and we have seen De Bruyne in the past has missed time for because of injury, and we have seen Man City not perform the way that they used to. But that's also with not having a world class striker at the top. Like they haven't, they just haven't been in this position before. Like yeah. we don't know what they are without De Bruyne and having Haaland there. Yeah, I mean, it could be like I'm sure Gunwan could just come in and figure it out and be yeah. that um, guy could, that's putting through balls in. Yeah, it could just be like a, honestly like a plug and play. Like just yeah, pluck him, put him in there. Yeah, Haaland, you still you, you still do your thing. You're good. Don't yeah. even worry about it. Go go play. It would be interesting to see if like there's games where De Bruyne misses if like Haaland just. Because really, that's what it is. You know, I think when I look at Foden um, and De Bruyne and Haaland play. Um, but then again, like with Haaland, just they were also talking like his movement creates so much space for all the other city players. Where before when they were playing a false nine, it was kind of easy. It was easier to defend against. Um, you just had to mark the space and not give like the number nine any space. But with Holland, the fact that he's pushing defense so far back to their box, it gives anyone in the the city midfield way more space to do whatever they want. So, yeah, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I don't have an answer to your hypothetical question. Well, it's a hypothetical, so answer it. Honestly, <laughs> the one player City cannot do without is probably Ederson. Because when they can't Fact. play, the, when they can't play out of the back, it is shambles. <laughs> That's true. Because they're, so, they're, they're, 
<laughs> Joe's going off script. I'm going off script. City so cannot. Like a true politician. I ask one question, he gives you another answer for like a completely different thing. But I. <laughs> no, but, they can't lose. Ederson. I didn't ask Ederson. Because like you, we see so often, they like the whole the whole reason the city system works. Not the whole reason, but a lot of why the city system works is like their center blacks can play it to Ederson, and other teams know it's like you can't press Ederson because he's gonna pass it around you. Yeah, and then but if you give him too much time, he's gonna find another pass anyway. So that is a lot of the reason why they're so composed in the back and why teams can't really. What are we looking at? Oh, Andrew's battery's going low. Got to speed it up. But yeah, Ederson, that's my answer. Uh, aside from Ederson, I just I just think that Holland will find a way to score no matter who's on the field, um, and it'll get the service even if it won't be as like clear cut with how good De Bruyne is, but. Mm-hmm. I think he would find a way to score. Yeah, the De Bruyne to Gundogan comparison is a slight drop off, obviously, but the drop off of not having Holland there is like just a, it's a tree stump. Yeah, <laughs> that's just not there. Like it's just like, what are you gonna do? Like, you can't, you can't replace fourteen goals. Yeah. in eight games. Um, De Bruyne also low key eight assists. Those are probably all to Holland. So yeah, I mean they both complement each other very very well. Um, clearly. That's mm-hmm. why Man City is one point back from Arsenal at the top of the table. Looking at this weekend's schedule, the big one, like we said, Arsenal-Liverpool, I think that's going to be um, a testy one for the Gunners. Uh, like I said earlier, they lost their one other quote-unquote big match against Man U earlier on the season. So let's see how they can do against Liverpool in their bounce-back game. Man City-Southampton, Joe, at the Etihad. Uh, so they should be fine. Maybe not the trap game that we're used to with them. Um, our, or uh, Chelsea and Wolves uh, shout out Wolves Bruno Liege, Liege, Bruno Liege uh, being relieved from his duties at Wolves a couple weeks after signing Diego Costa so kind of like a similar mm-hmm. Tuchel del Bamiang thing like you have like a Portuguese manager at Wolves Portuguese speaking obviously Diego Costa is Brazilian slash Spanish but um, he could have been like a big factor for why Diego Costa went there mm-hmm. he's gone after one match as Wolves dropped in a relegation zone. I low-key also did say Wolves would be relegated this year. Remember that? I do remember that. First podcast episode? Yeah. So let's keep a finger on that. And Everton and Man U. Um, this one always, for whatever reason, just is a spicy meatball. <laughs> when these two teams play each other. Like, it's just always fireworks. I love it. I don't know what it is. I mean, it's kind of like... Like, obviously, Liverpool-Man U are a big rivalry because like they're two top club teams. But I think it's just like the location as well. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I think Manchester to Liverpool is the closest big cities that they have to each other. Yeah. So I think just just geographically, it's a big game mm-hmm. um, between like teams from that location of Liverpool. And Everton fights hard against Man U all the time. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I, I always kind of forget Lampard's still Everton. Yeah. Which is like so wild to me. <laughs> he is still there. So I'll see what my boy can do there. And Tottenham Brighton, another top four clash. Um, That's the yeah. 12-30 game on Saturday for us. That's going to be good. So that'd be a good one too. A lot of good games this weekend, actually. Yeah, we kind of get like there's kind of there's, I think two weeks ago I think it was like the schedule is kind of like eh, like there's nothing really mm-hmm. like there's like no really juicy games. We come back this week. We have the dart. We have the derby matches between Manchester uh, teams between London teams this week here too. Just like the way that the table shaping up is a juicy one. Yeah. So um, be sure to tune into all these games coming up this weekend. This Thanksgiving weekend for us in Canada. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, happy Thanksgiving to all the all the families out there listening to the podcast. 
And thank you for supporting us. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we good, boys? We good. Good. All right. As always, I want to thank everyone for tuning in and listening to the podcast. You can find it on um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts at. As always, we will tune in next week after all the weekend's action. See you, everyone. See you. Ciao.